بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. The Jum'ah Khutbah is an essential reminder that calls the believers every Friday to increase in taqwa, God consciousness. This series shares Jum'ah Khutbahs that take place at the Al-Maqasid Seminary. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله. اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله صراة وسلام دائمين بدوام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وأشهد أنه سيدنا محمد عبده رسول أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله واحدا ورب شاهدا ونحن لهم مسلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مسيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله On this blessed day of Jum'ah the very best day that the sun has shown, the very best day that the sun has shown upon, it is befitting for the believer to constantly force themselves into a state of being reminded. The very word for reminding in Arabic, at-tadakkur, indicates that someone has to exert effort in order to remind themselves of what is truly important. Because by the nature of being human, it is very easy to forget. Realities that we know, we forget very quickly. And in fact, we could learn something and then one hour later, even 10 minutes later sometimes, we forget what it is that we just learned. And so this is the affair of the believer, is the a believer learns to take heed, to learn lessons, to take admonition, to be reminded by everyone and everything around him or her. And we know that the second caliph, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab, used to have a ring. And different companions had different inscriptions on their rings. And the deeper that you get into the seerah, the, the more that you learn about what was on those blessed rings of the companions. As for Sayyidina Umar, it was kafa bil than ya Umar written right there to remind himself, is that death is sufficient as of an admonition, O Omar, reminding himself. And other companions had inscribed on their rings, Rabbun Allah, our Lord is Allah, reminding of themselves of what is truly important. And this is the nature of the believer, is that we are quick to be reminded. And the disbeliever or the the disbeliever or the arrogant believer has barriers between them and between taking heed. Is that oftentimes is that there is the gets in the way. If it is said to them, be mindful of Allah, is that then this they persist in sin obstinately. Is that they don't take the reminder and they persist in doing what it is that they are doing. But the believer wants to be reminded. 
and is searching for reminders and is trying to read the signs around him or her that are there to remind us and everything in reality in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation reminds us of his power, reminds us of his oneness, reminds us of the evanescence, the perishing nature of this world. We know that this world is going to desist at a certain point. But what is really important is that we come to know that in the moment now. Everything is perishing and everything will perish except his noble countenance, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know that everything will move into a state of non-existence save those things that Allah ta'ala recreates in every moment and gives them eternal existence. But the affair of the believer is to be reminded in the moment of that reality. Every moment that passes, every breath that we take, we're getting closer and closer to meeting our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the greatest things of all that we can remind ourselves of is the importance of a character trait that we often speak about, yet we fail to fully fulfill its true reality. And this is the sunnah of mercy. And we speak about it in this context because when you identify it as a sunnah, what follows necessarily is that this is something that you and I have to adopt. We have to live by this reality, the sunnah of mercy. And this is arguably the greatest, or at very least, one of the greatest sunnahs of our Prophet because we know the reality of this mercy has a link to everything that is considered to be from the alameen, everything that Allah created, everything other than Allah, everything He brought into existence. And when it is identified as being connected to the Prophet by extension, from the divine will to everything in the alameen in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation, we start to touch upon, at least conceptually, its importance, although its true reality will never truly perceive. The sunnah of mercy. And our Prophet ﷺ embodied this trait. And this especially manifests in terms of how he interacted with people. But it wasn't limited to people. It extended even into the animal kingdom. It extended even into the plant and mineral kingdom. It extended, of course, as we just learned, to everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought into existence. But we have to understand mercy first and foremost. And unfortunately, we live in a time and we live in a society that doesn't really truly value mercy even though we know mercy is important, you ask every human being that has the least bit of intelligence, and even those that are confused and have a convoluted way of viewing the world, they still recognize this is something important. But nevertheless, they fail to really recognize its importance because they, in order to really recognize its importance, you must live its reality. And one of the associations that people make with mercy is that somehow, it is related to weakness. That if you forgive people, if you show mercy to people in a doggy dog Machiavellian world where everybody's trying to get over on the other, 
that somehow you're going to get left behind. Somehow what it is that you need to get is going to be pushed to the side. And there's no doubt anyone that's been in corporate cutthroat corporate America and entered into the job realm, and even before that, oftentimes, when they are still studying, know that there is some degree of truth to that. However, this is where Dean comes in. Dean comes in to give us an understanding that enables us and facilitates for us to stick to our principles, even if everybody else around us is willing to just fulfill the status quo and doing something different that we know what is right. Even if it seems in the short term that there might be some loss involved, we know through our principles that in the end, this is how we should be. But then the question is, is mercy passive or is it active? Is mercy a passive trait of character or is it active? And I think now that it's framed like that, many people will think twice about the response that they first wanted to say. Mercy is active. Mercy is not something that is passive. Mercy is not associated with people just letting people sit in the corner and beat up on them. Mercy is something that is active. And one of the proofs of this is not only the long list of other character traits that we need in order to truly be people of mercy, but mercy is akin to rain, the greatest Metaphor of mercy is rain, and rain is far from passive. Rain descends down upon us. It comes down from the sky. And when rain enters and mixes with the earth, then things start to grow. So not only because mercy is like rain does it descend down upon us, but when it touches the fertile soil of your heart is that it gives birth and it leads to every good trait of character possible. In other words, all traits of good character are embedded in the reality of mercy. It is all a manifestation of the mercy. And how could it be otherwise that if we look at our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, the closest name to being a proper name of our Lord after his true proper name, which is Allah, is Ar-Rahman is Ar-Rahman. And Allah Ta'ala says this in the Quran, Rahman. Call upon Allah or call upon the Rahman, the all-merciful subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any name that you call upon to him belongs the beautiful name subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the closest name that is not a proper name of Allah to being a proper name in the meaning of that is all of the other great traits that you and I can embody stem from mercy. And to the degree that we receive our portion of mercy will be to the degree that we embody all other good traits of character. This is at the heart of what it means to follow the Prophet ﷺ and to be a Muslim. So we have to understand mercy. We have to give it's, it, it's proper due and understand it in the correct frame. Mercy is not weakness. Mercy is strength. And mercy is a source of victory in all of its meanings. And it requires, among many other traits of character, it requires the trait of courage.
to truly be merciful. To truly be merciful in a world where you're going to hear it from a lot of people, where you're going to hear misconceptions in relation, you're going to get criticisms from people. Why didn't you do this? You should have done this. And all of these other types of things. It takes courage to withstand the onslaught of accusations that are going to come for someone who is embodying this great trait of character. And think in the life of our Prophet and how many times that happened and how many people around him wanted to that him to make supplication against the people in battle when people died. It's hard for us to do this in the comfort of our own homes when we are experiencing luxuries and our amenities are secured in life. It's hard for us to embody this. Imagine in the face of battle where people are dying right before your eyes, where there's persecution. And our prophet was still mercy. He still was merciful and exemplified this trait of mercy. And the two greatest examples of that are the Battle of Uhud and the Fat Mecca. And there's countless, countless, countless other examples. Countless examples. After the Battle of Uhud, they wanted him to make dua against the disbelievers. But what was his response? He made dua, but not against them, for them. And just as in Arabic, you can say dua lahu, tad'u lahu aw ali. In English, you can also say that you can supplicate for or against someone. But our Prophet supplicated, but it was for them. Allahumma ihdi qawmi. Oh Allah, guide my people. Guide my people. These are people that are fighting against him. But he asked for their guidance, one. Two, as he said, they're my people. He didn't say, oh Allah, guide these dirty kafirs. Ihdi qawmi. Guide my people. He supplicated for them. And he affiliated them to his own self. And then on top of that, he made an excuse for them. A few words, but packed with incredible meaning. And no matter how many times you talk about it, the meanings that unfold are greater and greater. What was the reality of that heart? If you were in that situation... And you lost, as our Prophet did, that some of the people that were very beloved to him. What would you do? If someone slapped one of our children, what would we do? If someone that did something, a small, a minor infraction to one of our close brothers, what would we do? People were dying, and he still made this dua. That Mecca, after everything had transpired, all of those years, everything that happened, all of, again, the people that died and were persecuted. What did he do? He forgave, sallallahu And that was when so many people, even Ikrimah, the son of the worst enemy in human history of anyone, a worse enemy than Pharaoh. Pharaoh tried to believe when it was too late. Abu Jahl, that told Abdullah ibn Mas'ud to cut his head off from here so that the Prophet would see him as having a big head and he said, tell him that I'm his enemy in this world and the next. Arrogance, look what it does, how it blinds you. The worst enemy of all. His son Ikrimah fled Mecca. He thought there is no possible way that the Prophet's going to spare his life. 
And so what did the prophet do? Is that he gave a garment for someone to take to him to show that he would be granted safety were he to return to Mecca. And he became Muslim. And he became a good Muslim. This is what happens. What does mercy lead to? And the default position, if you read the seerah of the Prophet from this lens, and this would be a great book to write, he only resorted to a more majestic manifestation and moved away from mercy to the extent that it was needed based upon the arrogance of the person that was before him and their obstinance. Otherwise, the default was mercy. But if someone is obstinate and they're fighting you, yes, sometimes that you have to then defend yourself. Our prophet never moved to a more majestic response if mercy was an option. The default was mercy, unless that he had to move to something else. So mercy is strength. And amongst many other virtues that it requires, like wisdom, forbearance, and patience, it requires courage. It requires courage. And you can't truly be a spiritual warrior without the great trait of mercy. Mercy is right at the heart of this entire matter, is that with your own self and with other people, because what remains from us now from jihad is jihad in nafs, the struggle against your own soul, and the jihad of the mujtama. The jihad that we have in relation to society where we struggle to better society. We struggle to be a source of upliftment for people. We struggle to bring about good in society and to serve people. And that indeed is a jihad. It's not easy to be in a position of service, to help people, to be a source of upliftment. This is difficult, but the source of this is mercy. The second point here is that mercy, and this has to again be a part of our frame of thinking, is the foundation of healing and growth. It is the foundation of both healing and growth. Just as it is the foundation of Allah originating the universe. The Quran begins with Bismillahir Rahman. Right after the Laft al-Jalala, we have the name of Allah al-Rahman. And were it not to be for the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, you wouldn't see anything in existence. He would not have created our Prophet nor would he have created everything that is in the cosmos, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the source of existence. And it underlies everything in creation as it manifests from the great hadith Qudsi is that his mercy has outstripped his wrath, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just as it is the foundation of our individual existence, we come from the womb of our mothers, which is the raham. And it is linguistically related to mercy. The mercy that is naturally and biologically from the bounty of Allah Ta'ala in the mother, carrying her child in the womb for so long, bearing all of those difficulties, giving birth, and dedicating herself to rearing that child and everyone else who's involved in that process as well. It is the foundation of our individual existence. 
But this is what's going to allow us to heal and to grow. And as we become socialized in the world in which we live, and the dunya by its nature takes us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because that we have in us both a nafs and a ruh, and the nature of the nafs is it inclines towards the world, and we have to put in that spiritual struggle to combat that. We have to know that mercy is what allows us to heal and grow. And when this is at the heart of our interactions and all of our relationships, this is what will allow the complete following of the Prophet ﷺ to manifest in any individual. And we have so many examples of this. And it starts in the child-parent relationship. And one of the du'as that we're supposed to make as we're taught in the Qur'an, the children are supposed to ask Allah to have mercy upon their two parents. Have mercy upon them both as they raised me when I was young. And the parent-child relationship is one that is embedded in mercy. Just as this is how the old are supposed to be with the young. Our Prophet said, whoever doesn't have mercy upon those who are younger. And then the opposite, there's also respect that must be shown from the younger generation to the older generation. This is how a believer is. They are not from us. Those who do not honor the elderly or the elderly that's showing mercy upon the youth and the younger generation is that there has to be mercy there because we know that the intellect doesn't become complete until later in life. And we know biologically through science is that decision-making is a volatile matter when children are in that teenage stage. And it's only until they get a little bit older that they're able to make better decisions. And this has been recognized in cultures universally across the world. And as it has been said in Arabic, is that that the younger years are a part of insanity. The things that people do oftentimes when they're young, and this is not a license for them to do those things, but this is for the older people to have mercy and to recognize is that you have to guide them and you have to be merciful with them and you have to that inspire them to do what is right and gently, if possible, bring them to the correct way of doing things. And only in the rarest of occasions do you come down that very hard. And just as this is the believers, how they're supposed to be with one another, that they're supposed to be a tarahum, mercy between them. And it's always amazing to me how believers are so quick to get angry with each other. But when you have other people involved, co-workers, or that other people that they come into contact with their neighbors, they are so merciful and are so able to restrain their anger. Believers, they light up very quickly. We're supposed to be merciful with everyone, but especially the believers. And this is also the foundation of the student-teacher relationship. Imam al-Ghazali mentions when he talks about the 10 etiquettes of the teacher, the very first etiquette that he mentions that the teacher must have 
in relation to the student, he must show mercy to his students. And that he treat them like his own children. That he treat them like his own children. And these are for teachers that are teaching the sciences of the religion, just as this is the way with the teachers that are helping you refine your character. They're like your spiritual fathers. And the nature of parents, of course, are in when it's in that manifests correctly is one of mercy. And the last aspect of this that we wanted to touch upon is that once we come to this conclusion and we have the correct frame of mercy and we realize that mercy is strength and we realize that it is the foundation of healing and growth, then we have to know what it is that we can do to bring about mercy in this world and how it is that we could receive it. And we know, must know that our Prophet has been described as being the miftah bab rahmatillah. He is the key that opens the door of Allah's mercy. And every individual sunnah of our Prophet opens up a door of mercy. And oftentimes it has an outward dimension and it always has an inward dimension. It relates to you and it relates to all of those that are around you. And this is the way that you can affect people in previous times, in future times, all over the world by being in one physical location at one particular time when you tap into this reality. By tapping into this reality of the sunnah of our Prophet and all of its manifestations, his character traits, everything that he did outwardly, his interactions with other people, worship, dealings, and so forth and so on. The comprehensive way of life of our Prophet, every aspect of that opens up a door of mercy. So then, once we know that, then we must take a path to learn the way of our Prophet what he believed, what he did, how he used to worship, what kind of traits he had, what were the etiquettes that he had in all of the different states that he was in, But this requires us to come to know who our Prophet was, and to read in depth. And I'm truly hoping in the next years, in the upcoming years, that there will be many more biographies translated into the English language. They get beyond some of the general biographies that we have, which are great, but we want to go deep, where we only to realize the incredible nature of the biographical tradition of Islam. You're not talking about works that are two to 300 pages. You're talking about works that are thousands of pages. And just a few of them that I could show you upstairs in the library, you're talking about volumes of 7 to 8, 15, 20, sometimes 30 volumes of in-depth descriptions of the way that people were and the traits that they had and details about their life and stances that it is that they took. And one of two of the greatest books of all, the Tabaqat of Ibn Sa'd and the Hilyat al-Awliya of Abu Na'im al-Asfahani and there are many, many, many others. And both of these, you would die before you'd be able to finish reading them. 
unless you had a lot of blessing in your time. And there are many other books as well. And alhamdulillah, we even have now books that are being printed in English for people that live in our time, that are exemplars for our time. And we should read these, and we should learn from these great stories and see how it is that they were so that we can embody the virtues that they possess. And when you live like this, and you that bring these great virtues, you will realize then is that everything starts to change around you. And in closing, in order for us really to build and to plant the seeds that must be planted for the work that has to be done here, is that we absolutely must embrace mercy. It is mercy that will help us heal and grow. And it is mercy that will help people taste the sweetness of this religion and the sweetness of the teachings of our Prophet and the beautiful thing is, is that mercy leads to beauty here in this world, but then wait until the next. Because the more mercy that we receive and then show in this world, and the more that everything that it is that we do is underlying, is, is, is that the bedrock of all of that being mercy, the more that we will then receive the mercy from our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala which is what we all want. And imagine receiving the mercy of Allah Ta'ala in a way that the elect of the awliya and the salihin reach it. How will your death be? How will it be to meet your Lord? How will it be on Yom Qiyamah? How will it be when you pass the Sarat? How will it be when you enter into paradise if you've received a vast portion of the mercy of your Lord Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? May Allah Ta'ala bring this sunnah to life in our own hearts and bless us to be able to live it and exemplify it and to spread it amongst its creation amongst its creation. وقولوا قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ولجميع المسلمين فاستغفروا فإن غفور رحيم. الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين مع آله الطيبين الطاهرين وصحابته الأكرمين وتابعينهم بإحسان اليوم الدين. وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمد رسول الله أما بعد يا إبال الله إني مسيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله One final hadith to remind us of the vastness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is the hadith in Ibn Majah is that our Prophet said صلى الله عليه وسلم وعدني ربي سبحانه my Lord promised me, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and yudhila al-jannata min ummati sab'ina alfa la hisaba alayhim wa la adab, is that 70,000 people from my ummah will enter into paradise without any reckoning and no punishment. And then our Prophet said, ma'a kulli alfin sab'una alf. And then for every thousand of those 70,000, an additional 70,000. So 70,000, and then for each of the 70,000, so times it by 70 again, an additional that 70,000 for each thousand. And then our Prophet said, وَثَلَاثُ حَثَيَاتٍ مِنْ حَثَيَاتِ رَبِّي And a لُغَةٍ that حَثَيَات are that taking, like if you just grab some dirt and then throw it. 
in a no anthropomorphic way, it's a way of saying is that kasra, is that there will be that three hatayat where Allah will enter people threefold into paradise with that are on top of all of those that he already entered into paradise without reckoning subhanahu wa ta'ala and without punishment. In other words, that on top of all of that number, there will be many from the blessing of our Prophet sallallahu that will enter into paradise. What a blessing to be from this deen. What a blessing to bask in the meanings of this mercy. What a blessing to be able to receive this mercy. This is the greatest blessing of Allah of, 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 Allah, of all. And we should be incredibly thankful that to him for it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should reciprocate by remembering him often and by sending abundant salawat upon his prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inna Allah wa malaikatuhu yusallun ala nabi. Ya ayyuhaladina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alayhi Sayyidina Muhammad. Kama salaita ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala alayhi Sayyidina Ibrahim. Inna ka hamidun majeed wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alayhi Sayyidina Muhammad. Kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala alayhi Sayyidina Ibrahim. Falalamin inna ka hamidun majeed. Wa radiyallahu ta'ala an sadatan khulafa rashidina bi bakar umathman wa alim. Wa ala jima ahla bayta rasulillah al-mutahharina man al-arjas wa alayna ma'huma fihim birahmatika ya arhamatika. Rahimin, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, Allah Mughfilil Mumini Numinat, Al Muslimin, Owen Muslimat Al Ahya Minhum Manamat, Ya Owilil Owilin, Ya Akhir Al Akhirin, Ya Del Guatin Mateen, Waya Rahim and Masaki, Wa Hamar Rahimin, and Jesnan Rahmatan Mindika, Nas Adubihavit Dunya will Akhira. اللهم إنا نسألك زيادة في الدين وبركة في الأمر وصحة في الجسد وصحة في الرزق وتوبة قبل الموت وشهادة عند الموت ومغفرة بعد الموت وعفنا الحساب وأمان من أذاب ونصيب من الجنة وزقنا النظر إلى وشك الكريم آوكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكر الله العظيم يذكركم أشكرني ميزدكم ولذكر الله أكبر. Thank you for listening to one of Al Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full-time, part-time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.